Hey there, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Redeemed Through His Blood. My name's Scott Durfee. It's good to be with you today, and I'm joined, as always, by our teacher, Brother David Durfee. What's up, Dave? Hey, Scott. I'm devastated this morning. Yeah? Driving over here this morning, I saw a sign that said, Did you know that all Fruit Loops taste the same? That devastated me. I thought the colors actually had different flavors. I am so sorry for your trauma. Did you know? Did I, you well, know that? I, Dave, I'm just going to pretend like we didn't even have this conversation. Because <laughs> <laughs> I can go to denial real fast, and I think I will on that topic. Yes. Did you know? I don't even want to talk about it. Yes. No, I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> that devastated me. Man, I, yeah. I thought, I've been duped. I know. What I, kind all of these a... years, all these years, I've been duped because I thought they all had a different fruit flavor. Well, I guess the real question is this: What kind of a maniacal person would put out a poster or a sign that would say something like that and ruin everybody's day? <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's yeah. probably the better question. Yeah, but uh, that person's disturbed. They need anyway. To hear our podcast. It, it devastated me, and I thought, wow. <laughs> they the only difference between a green fruit loop and a red fruit loop is the color. Yeah, you thought they, they were just, like lifesavers in milk. I th- <laughs> <laughs> just like lifesavers. Well, they you, taste, a green lifesaver should taste they like taste a green life lifesavers to me. Well, but, yeah, me too. Well, I remember when. Fruit, well, <laughs> hey, I'm so old. I remember when Fruit Loops came out. I remember the first year. Do you really? Yeah, huh. I do. I was I was like 16 years old. Well, then I should be able to remember it. I we should Google that. When was Fruit Loops first? Yeah, that's a great great question. When were Fruit Loops first uh, marketed by General Mills? And I think you're going to see it's about 1970. Uh, yeah, let's give, see. Give 19. As, well, actually, this says it was uh, then released in the year 1963 under the year under the name Fruit, Fruit Loops. So you would have been eight or something. Oh wow, I'm way off. Well, you eight, sixteen. This is all the same to you. De- delete that. <laughs> delete that part of. This oh no, podcast. I'm leaving it in there, and and that's why I probably. I, just, I don't okay, remember. I thought I was a teenager, but I re- I well, do remember when they came out because I thought they were the greatest invention in the whole world. How old were you in 1963? I was nine. Nine. Okay, I was born. <laughs> that's the year you were born. That's the year I was born. Well, <laughs> then no wonder that was I, such a great year. Yeah, exactly. That's a great wow. year. Wow, like a that fine a cereal. Year. We'll just call it that. Anyway, we are I, way I, off I, track. I, but, no, no, no. It's perfect for our well. Topic the, but let me say this before you uh, get us uh, on the right track, <laughs> because you have you, you say you're devastated. You just a few minutes ago you just told me you shot a seventy-seven yesterday. Yeah. Well. Scott, that's embarrassing. You need to leave I, that. Yeah, no, I'm going to leave that, that too, on there. But, I'm leaving that on but, there. That's uh, really good for I a guy I could that was. I trust you and brag to somebody. That was at, at 77 at Fox Hollow, which yeah. is not a not no, a super I, easy was, golf uh, course. Now, I'm was, not a golfer, but so no golf course is a super easy golf course to me. But I know by reputation that Fox Hollow is not. But to shoot a 77 and have been nine years old when you were 19 in 1963, <laughs> that's pretty remarkable, David. <laughs> One of these days, if I live long enough, I'm going to shoot shoot my age, Scott. <laughs> okay. If I could just hang in there and yeah. shoot my age, that will be the That'd greatest be day of my life. Yeah. Well, I can, I can shoot my age, speaking. but but it's got to be on nine holes. Yeah. yeah. That's right. I've golfed with you. I believe that. Uh, yeah. 
<laughs> and you got to give me those mulligans <laughs> that you're so free with when we do golf yeah. together. Yeah, yeah, that was fun. I love to love to golf. Um, so the a bit, that Fruit Loop thing, I, I was just pondering that the whole way over here, thinking, "Wow, duped. We, I, I, I've been duped. You know, a few colors, and that's the only difference. And how easy it is for us to be duped in many different areas of our life, not just a sweet cereal, but in uh, the more important things of life. You know, um, I think it's just our discussion today, Scott, will be, I think, extremely critical for you and me, for our families, for our listeners, uh, to understand how not to be duped. And um, I have... I don't know why, but I've I've had the experience throughout my lifetime of being in a position or in a place where I have uh, witnessed firsthand, had a front row seat to to many individuals, sadly, who have been duped, who have been deceived, who have um, you know become false prophets and apostatized, and and those who have been. Uh, just uh, really led astray, and and it saddens me that people are not uh, more uh, aware of and have a, a greater understanding of how revelation works. So last week we talked about the Holy Ghost as being an instrument of the atonement of Jesus Christ, the messenger and the administrator of mercy and grace and all the effects of the atonement of Jesus Christ in our life. The Holy Ghost really administers Christ and his atonement in our life. Not only the words of Christ, but also the forgiveness and grace and mercy of Christ in our life. The Holy Ghost is a supernal gift that we receive and I believe is with us daily as uh, the gift of the Holy Ghost, and with with all people throughout the world, is the power of the Holy Ghost. Anyway, I, I we talked all about that last week, and this week I just think that we should talk a little more about how to receive personal revelation in our life. And I, I confess that this probably was never as critical of a topic uh, to me personally, until I was ordained a patriarch. And when I was ordained a patriarch, I had to really pay a price to try to understand how revelation works and to develop that skill. It's um, it's interesting that I think it was Sister, Sister Beck, General Eastside President years ago, who first said, and others have, many others have quoted her, that revelation is the most important skill that one can learn in this life. And, uh, and I've concluded that that's, that's true. And that it is a skill, and we need to work at it. We need to develop it. It doesn't, it doesn't come by just uh, drifting down the river on a, on a raft or an inner tube. You know, it takes, it takes really conscious daily effort and i think some principles and patterns need to be identified in order to not be deceived first of all 
And we've been told in the scriptures that even the very elect in the latter days would be deceived. And uh, unfortunately, there are too many examples of that, of the elect being deceived. So we need to learn the skill, first of all, not to be deceived. And second of all, to be able to receive all of the direction and guidance that our Heavenly Father is so anxious, so willing to give us if we will just learn the principles of Revelation and to grow, as President Nelson says, and to grow into the principle of Revelation. So let's, let's, uh, let's talk about that, Scott. I'll, uh... Yeah, you got it. You know, this, uh, this topic is one that I think um, for myself, and I, and I think maybe a lot of the rest of us, we recognize the importance of it. We understand that it's critical to our spiritual and physical and, and mortal development as we move through life in an effort to return to be with our Heavenly Father. And there's been a lot of talks and a lot of books and a lot of uh, various um, media produced around the topic. But, you know, one of my favorite, I think, when it comes to Revelation, and, I, and I'll say this today, and I'll have a new different favorite tomorrow based on another different conversation. I'm just kind of that way with this stuff. But Elder Bednar gave a, a, a lot of uh, really great direction in 2018 at a, I think this was at a mission leaders conference or something like that. But he's talking about Revelation and, and, and some of the very first uh, things that he talks about. And he I, and I don't think this is a quote to him, but maybe just a recap of what's being uh, said in his talk. But receiving, recognizing, and responding to Revelation from God are spiritual gifts for which Latter-day Saints should yearn and appropriately seek, said Elder David A. Bednar of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles in a 2018 Mission Leadership Seminar on June 26. So, if, if you're interested in finding that, I have read that. It's been a, it's been a while since I read that. Uh, my brother-in-law, uh, I have a one of Deb's brothers is a stake president here in Springville, Utah, and we were at dinner Friday night. Friday night, yeah, and. Um, it's all. I love going to dinner with him, like I love going to dinner with you, because we get talking about things, and we, you know, next thing we know, it's midnight. You know, they're kicking us out of the restaurant. But we were talking about this revelation, and and this this specific talk uh, that uh, Elder Bednar gave. Some of the most important things uh, for us in mortality, David, is how do we recognize, respond to, and receive revelation? Yeah. I I really believe that. It's really one of the great mortal challenges and lessons that we all need to take more seriously and we need to think about it and and today's an opportunity for us to discuss it. And it's an exhaustive topic, one in which we'll just probably barely touch the surface, but I I hope it'll be helpful to our listeners. It's 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 been um, interesting to me. It left an impression upon me that the first talk that President Nelson gave as president of the church, Scott, was the, he entitled the talk, the first main address he gave as the prophet of the church was entitled Revelation for the Church and for our personal lives. So his first topic really was on Revelation, and he said in that talk, I'll quote it, 
One of the things the Spirit has repeatedly impressed upon my mind since my new calling as president of the church. I mean, that should get anybody's attention. I, it, I'm sure it did if anyone was listening to, to General Conference that uh, in uh, April 2018. It, when, it, when, the, when the new president of the church says, the one thing that has been repeatedly impressed upon my mind since my new calling is how willing the Lord is to reveal his mind and will. The privilege of receiving revelation is one of the greatest gifts of God to his children. I, I just, I'll never forget him saying that. I'll, I'll always uh, cherish that, that we are entitled to receive revelation, and the Lord is so willing, excited, I would even say, to give us revelation, but it takes work, Scott. The one thing I've learned about revelation is it takes work. President Nelson said in another talk, the Lord doesn't like lazy learners, you know, in his, I think, classic talk called Hear Hear Him. The Lord doesn't like lazy learners. Well, I don't know how much the Lord doesn't or doesn't like lazy learners. I don't think he said that. I don't know how he said it. But the point is, I know that you can't be lazy and just drift if you want to receive guidance, direction, and revelation from from our Heavenly Father. So I submit to all of us that we need to just be more aware, conscious, more active, proactive in in trying to seek revelation but not to force it. So just maybe a precursor to everything else we say today, it can't be forced. And there are too many people in this church who try to force it. And if you try to force it, I promise you, you'll get revelation. (laughs) But it won't be from the Lord. It'll be either your own determination, your own thoughts, your your own pleasure that you're trying to carry out, or it'll be from another source, and, and an evil source even, and that can be Satan. Again, Scott, I've seen that. I, I, you know, I, I don't know if I ever told you this, Scott, or my family, but I served with uh, Ron Lafferty yep. in a church calling. Yep. And Ron Lafferty, I think he passed away this year last on death row at the Utah State Prison, and I served with him. I prayed with him. He and I, just the two of us, knelt in his home and prayed because we had a, we shared a certain church calling. And I loved him, and I loved his family. I taught some of his daughters in, in seminary. So to watch what happened to him has been a life lesson for me to not try to force revelation. Uh, Ron, who sought, really, I, I, I don't think this is uh, unfair for me to say, was always kind of trying to seek t- uh, certain church positions and felt like he should be the next bishop. And when he wasn't, he was devastated by that. And when he didn't kind of move up in the hierarchy of the church, and I've seen that too many times. I think that's one of the occupational hazards of, of a Latter-day Saint sometimes, is they think 
that leadership positions somehow makes them more holy or somehow is evidence of the Lord's approval or I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's a real challenge for some individuals, brethren especially, but, but I've even known of some sisters in Minnesota. We, there was a hard case we had of an apostate woman who believed that she should have been called to be General Relief Society president. And so she starts having revelations. And they, they just force it, Scott. They force it, and they think that, and Saint puts this, this pride or these ideas in their mind. You know, uh, Ron was influenced by his brother Dan, who was involved in the School of the Prophets, they called it, an organization down in Spanish Fork, and, and uh, they start getting revelation through rocks, their, their own little seer stones, um, I've I've seen individuals who belong to that organization, and uh, they've shown me their stone, and I I just go wow, you know it. Revelation, Scott, is delicate. It's very delicate, and it's very sacred. But if one tries to manipulate it, or one tries to force it, that is uh, like an invitation with open arms to Satan saying, come on, uh, give me something. And, uh, and he will. Believe me, he will. And in Ron Lafferty's case, it led to a revelation to, to murder people. It read, first it led to a revelation to marry multiple women. And when his wife wouldn't approve that, and, and the bishop and the stake president was counseling with his wife. Uh, then he got a revelation to kill the bishop, kill the stake president, which he wasn't able to do. But he also got a revelation to kill his brother Alan's wife, which he did, and killed the, killed their their baby, and uh, was on death row for for so many years. I remember that uh, right after they were um, captured and they were arrested. And uh, Ron tried to commit uh, suicide. And uh, Dan was interviewed, and Dan, who was also in prison, said, well, I think, I think Ron is possessed. Well, really? <laughs> that might be the only truth you've told. Yeah. I, I really, Scott, I, and, and I, there are so many other examples yeah. of this. Well, and, and and I don't know why, but it seems like yeah, I do know why. There's just a higher concentration of members of the church here, and when that when you have that, then sometimes you have some of these offshoots. I had a, a not a girlfriend, but a girl that I dated right after my mission, and we became quite close. And I'm not going to say the name because this one's didn't go on the news, and there was no tragic criminal investigations or anything around that, so it's not as public. But um, you know him, David, and. Uh, you know what? Just the devastation there. I I was also uh, one of um, I think Dan's daughter's friends in school, mm-hmm. one of the Lafferty's, and just to see the dev- devastation around that. But you know, we're talking about Revelation today, but we didn't just start episode one. We're episode thirty-four or thirty-five. I can't remember for sure, but we're episode thirty-four. I think today we didn't just start talking about Revelation today. We started 
talking about knowing who we are, whose we are, understanding the name and, and faith in the name. I mean, we have gone through the entire doctrine of Christ, and we're st- this is still part of the doctrine of Christ, don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. but we didn't start here. We started at the beginning. We worked our way here. And so there's there can be sometimes some miscommunication between ourselves and maybe what we're trying to perceive as being communicated to us etc. around revelation. And sometimes we just think, okay, I got to get revelation. I've just got to, I've got to learn more about, but no, that's not really how, I mean, it can work that way, I suppose, but that's not how it's intended to work. You know, we, we work the atonement of Jesus Christ. We put on, when I say work, we put on the atonement of Jesus Christ. We change our attitudes. We change the direction we face in our life. We put all things behind us that are not of him. We face him. We make changes in our lives to invite and to become a, and to have the constant companionship of the Holy Ghost. Without that constant companionship or without that pretty regular companionship and without the gift of the Holy Ghost having been bestowed, we are at a disadvantage when it comes to revelation. For a lot of us, we look at this word revelation and it, there's a, there's a certain mystique to it, a, a little bit of, I don't really totally understand it. And one of the things that we learn from Scripture, if we go all the way back to First Nephi, right? First Nephi chapter 1, verse 6, when Nephi had taken Laman and Lemuel, and they were going to get the brass plates, right? Now, Nephi wasn't concerned about revelation. He wasn't focusing on, that I know of it, we don't read that anyway, I'm focusing on revelation. How do I get revelation? How do I get revelation? But what we do know is that Nephi was living his life in a way that he had subjected his will to the Father. We know that the the Holy Ghost was his constant companion. We know that he was being led by the Holy Ghost. We know that his father was. And and as that was taking place, we read right here in verse 6 of chapter 4 in 1 Nephi, I was led by the Spirit, not knowing beforehand the things which I should do. So sometimes revelation is as a result of our living the gospel, as a, is a result of us having the companionship of the Holy Ghost and making our best choices and decisions in our life based on the Spirit that's with us. That is, uh, and Elder Bednar talks a little bit about that in his talk that I referenced earlier, but that's kind of one of the beginnings or one of the places where all of us should have revelation at work in our lives. Yeah. Well, I, I love everything you just said. I I do want to say today, Scott, that um, it seems to be one of the the great um, dividing points for those who uh, may have a faith crisis or decide to leave the church is uh, following their own revelation and identifying revelation from the church or from the prophet. I listened to another podcast uh, recently, and this individual had concluded in all of his studies, and he does podcasts on this all the time, but he had concluded that the number one reason people were leaving the church was that they were following their own revelation uh, in favor of their own trusting themselves more than they trusted the prophet or were willing to accept his authority or trust in his revelations. And and uh, I think this whole talk by President Nelson on revelation in the church and individually is really important in that we understand the pattern of God in always since Adam and Eve 
there have there's been um, a, a process in which God speaks to His children through His prophets, and we can best receive revelation. I know we can receive personal revelation, and we'll talk mostly about that today. But we can receive revelation by knowing that God has prophets on this earth. And when we do not follow their counsel, then we open ourselves up to be deceived. Now, I, I, know, I know prophets are not infallible. I know that there are policies and procedures that change. Practices change in the church. Revelation comes and goes regarding certain policies and procedures and practices. But Scott, doctrine never changes, and when prophets speak, we should listen. And as able as we can, we should obey. And if we do, we will be blessed. The gates of hell shall not prevail against us. That great promise in Doctrine and Covenants section 21, verses 4 through 6, that if we follow prophets... Now, I, I'm probably spending too much time on this already, but I, I just have to tell you, the whole thing with Ron Lafferty, I asked his best friend, his neighbor, what, ha- what happened to Ron? How did that, ha- how'd that even happen? Where did, where did that even start? Do you have any idea or clue where that all started? And uh, Brother Haran told me that uh, they were hunting... This was right after President Kimball, back in the late 1970s, had given a talk in October, right? You know what happens in October in Utah, deer hunt. And President Kimball had given this priesthood talk to the brethren, don't shoot the little birdies. I will never forget that talk. As a matter of fact, I'll never forget where I was sitting in the tabernacle, in American Fork <laughs> Tabernacle. I was sitting by... Listening on... My yeah. dad was to my right, and Grandpa Durfee was to his right. We were all in the same row there. And when that when that came on, don't shoot the little birdies, man, I got, a, I got an elbow right in the ribs from my dad. <laughs> Good. Yeah. I was at the BYU Marriott Center listening to it okay and uh anyway so he gives this talk about don't shoot the little birdies well a few weeks later right they're on the deer hunt dennis haran and ron lafferty friends neighbors with their boys and uh it's the last day of the hunt and they haven't shot anything you know you know what happens there oh yeah then anything that moves anything that moves and (laughs) and they were kind of shooting at different things rabbits and other things like that and Dennis wasn't feeling very comfortable about it. And so uh, Brother Haran says to Ron, 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 what do you think about what President Kimball said about not shooting little birdies? And he said that Ron was, just went off. That he was so angry. And he said, President Kimball knows nothing about deer hunting. He's never been deer hunting. He's never taken his boys hunting. He doesn't know what it's like. And it's not so much of what Ron said, but how he said it, that a prophet had made him mad. And because of his anger, then all kinds of other problems began to creep in. And, and it wasn't more than a year later that Ron was getting his own revelations. 
So I, you bring up Nephi, and yeah. Nephi being led by the Spirit, not knowing beforehand what he should do. Yep. Well, the reason he was able to receive revelation like that, Scott, was because he followed a prophet. His dad, exactly. He followed a prophet, yep. and, and as a result of seeking to fulfill the mission given to him by a prophet, he was able to receive personal revelation. Yeah. While on the other hand... Laman and Lemuel, who went begrudgingly, didn't really want to go, didn't really want to follow. The, I mean, they were following their dad, and they were angry about it. They didn't see their dad as the as prophet, prophet, right? They didn't see that, that. I mean, ultimately, Nephi knew that he was following the Lord through the prophet. And Laman and Lemuel thought they were just following their dad, Lehi, who was maybe deranged. So because Nephi knew that the Lord spoke through prophets and he was willing to follow that direction, he was able to receive his, his own revelation. I think there's a pattern in that for all of us, that if we will follow, seek to the best of our ability to follow the counsel given to us by, by prophets and apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ, we, we will be able to receive our own personal revelation on how to do that, which will then bless in 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 ways that we can't imagine, will bless our families. Moses said in in the book of Numbers, I, I would to God that all the Lord's people would be prophets. Well, prophets, as defined by John in Revelation, is the spirit of prophecy, is testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it would be awesome if we were all prophets, little p, not yeah, capital P. Right. And we can be, Scott, in our own families if we will follow the prophet that God has established on the earth. And um, so I just think that's an important uh, point that we need to make in in our discussion of revelation is understanding that there's revelation in the church and that we can receive personal revelation uh, when there is no counsel given to us from the church in regards to some of our personal decisions. The prophet's not going to tell us where to move, usually, or when to move, or there have been examples of that too, I guess, in church history where they are moving across yeah, the there's country. absolute exceptions to probably all of these examples. But, but we're going to have to receive our own personal revelation. So I, I know the Lord and his prophets, Scott, want us to receive revelation. Uh, president Nelson, in that same first talk as president of the church, and this, this I think, statement has maybe been quoted more by the brethren uh, in the last uh, five years than any other maybe president... Nelson has made since being president of the church. He said, this is the April 2018 conference, but in coming days, it will not be possible to survive spiritually without the guiding, directing, comforting, and constant, constant influence of the Holy Ghost. Think, think about that, Scott. It's not po- it will not be possible to survive spiritually without the guiding, directing, comforting, and constant influence of the Holy Ghost. 
That is such a powerful prophetic statement that should get all of our attention, and therefore, <laughs> this is such an important uh, topic for us to to try to understand, and Revelation is such an important skill that we should all seek to master, again, without manipulating it, trying to force it, or even to control it. All we can do is be uh, open-minded, open-hearted, and I have a list of seven things that we can do in order to increase revelation in our lives. So this is this part of the podcast is the how. How can we receive revelation? Why should we receive it? I just read that statement. Yeah. Because if you don't, if you don't receive constant influence, guiding uh, direction from the Holy Ghost, we will not survive spiritually. So uh, we need to get our own personal revelation, all within our stewardship, right? There's a stewardship. This is another principle, I think, of revelation, is that you 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 need to stay in your lane. I kind of hate that term because it's overused these days. But you need to kind of stay in your lane when it comes to revelation. And you can't get revelation for the church if you're not the president of the church and you don't have those keys. And you can't get revelation for the ward if you're not the bishop who has who's the presiding high priest. You can't get you can't start getting revelation telling the elders quorum president how to do if you're not the elders quorum president. I, I mean, Scott, there's that's just common sense to me yeah. that there's a line and a stewardship when it comes to receiving revelation, and we all need to uh, to respect that and to to uh, to understand what is my stewardship. And we all have a stewardship over ourselves and over uh, if I'm a dad or a mom, over my ch- children. I can receive revelation for my children. And uh, that doesn't mean they have to accept it, that I can force it, but I can receive revelation and to gui- give guidance and direction for uh, individuals that I minister to, that I have... Uh, anyway... So I think that's an important point when we talk well, about revelation and, too. And at the very least, you know, I can receive revelation on how to how to behave with or how to interact with those that I minister to, and especially my family, you know, as a patriarch of my family. And I have, you know, Melder, Melchizedek priesthood holders in my family, you know, so there there becomes that too, you know, but I can the 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 definite Revelation that I can receive is revelation for me and how I behave and how I interact. And there can be other things too, you know, for the family at large. And, and, you know, and I'm elders quorum president in our ward currently. And so, you know, there's things that are attached to that as well. But at the very least, and maybe among the most important things that we will receive revelation about is how do we in a Christ-like manner interact and and uh, behave with and around other people. Yeah. In, in fact, uh, I want to read one passage of Scripture that that kind of touches on Scott, how we interact and how we, how we act uh, with others. 
this this has always been an important scripture to me. I think it's a pattern of revelation, and it's in Doctrine and Covenants section fifty two, Scott, uh, starting with verse uh, fourteen, and uh, he he calls it a pattern. I give you a pattern in all things that ye may not be deceived. So I I've always loved this passage. We're going to read. Uh, verses 14 through 19, Scott, as, as if you don't mind reading it, let's look for, as we read it, and, and encourage all the rest of you, if you're not driving, to look this passage up and study it, to identify the patterns of Revelation in verses 14 through 19 of section 52. And again, I will give unto you a pattern in all things that you may not be deceived, for Satan is abroad in the land, and he goeth forth deceiving the nations. And individuals. Wherefore, he that prayeth, whose spirit is contrite, and the same is accepted of me if he obey my ordinances. The, so so it's, I think that's super important that we understand the, the, uh, the ordinances. Our covenantal relationship has a huge component, a huge part of what's going on here with Revelation Day. Absolutely. That's, it's all about relationships. Right. And the more, the closer relationship we have with our, our Heavenly Father as we, as we participate in the ordinances of the gospel and we go to holy, sacred places and we invite him to to, uh, to be a part of our lives. Uh, that's an important part of Revelation. But but notice, whose spirit is contrite. Right. Uh, a person who is going to get most revelation is the person who is repenting. And that's our whole course is about that. Right, yeah. The person who's going to get revelation is a person who's repenting. Okay. Well, and, and Elder Anderson in the book even even expounds on that a little bit when he talks about having a contrite spirit and talking about what that really means is having our will swallowed up by Heavenly Father's yeah. will, you know? So that, that gives us some good insight to that verse 15. And now verse 16. He that speaketh, whose spirit is contrite, whose language is meek, and edifieth, and edifieth the same is of God, if he obey mine ordinances. So there's a, that's a critical key takeaway there. That, so it's, that's only in effect if that person also is obeying the ordinances, yeah. right? Keeping his covenants yeah, or he, hers. Yeah, he repeats that. When the Lord yeah. repeats something, that should get our attention. <laughs> that's right. But, but Scott, I've, I, um, well, I, I won't use any names, but I've heard podcasts and YouTube presentations, and as a teacher for 40 years, in and out of the church, Scott, I've heard people uh, whose language is not meek, doesn't edify, and um, and they're, they don't speak uh, being contrite, and um, you can you can tell a difference. Yeah. By the Spirit. I mean, the, the individuals who are um, who don't just leave the church but can't leave the church alone, uh, I, I can't judge them individually, but just collectively, my experience is, just my experience watching them, is that um, they, don't, they, don't, uh, they don't fit this pattern. Yeah. 
I mean, they, they're, not, they're not meek in their language. It doesn't edify. It seeks to really destroy. And uh, anyway, I, so verse 16, I think, is a really critical part of the pattern. 17. And again, he that trembleth under my power shall be made strong and shall bring forth fruits of praise and wisdom according to the revelations and truths which I have given you. Well, so I, I think 17, Scott, for me, is you better be reverent. You better know what reverence is. You better know what reverence and worship really mean, that, that you respect God's power, and that you understand where you, you understand where you stand with God. That's, that's really critical, and I think that's what verse 17 is saying. And 18, and again, he that is overcome and bringeth not forth fruits, even according to this pattern, is not of me. Wherefore, by this pattern you shall know the spirits in all cases under the whole heavens. If one will really study that passage, Scott, it will help us to not be deceived. So I recommend that passage to all of us to study. Uh, well, let's let's uh, let's jump into the seven. What I call just I don't know what to call it better, <laughs> but I've just called it the seven keys to receiving personal revelation. Okay. Now I know there are more keys. I know that these are just kind of my list, and uh, and I don't even like checklists. So you know, <laughs> I hate steps. I you know I I don't want to kind of teach it like that. I'm just saying here are some keys. Well. Not all the keys, not all the, you know, not all the principles, but here are some important principles to help us to receive personal revelation. So, uh, number one, and we've talked enough probably about this, we don't need to say a lot more about it. Number one, to identify fears and other negative emotions and replace them with faith and love. Perfect love casteth out all fear. And believe me, Scott, I have come to know for myself that fear can dominate one's life and can be an absolutely stumbling block, total block to us receiving revelation if we, if we do not learn how to control um, irrational fears in our life. Right. Uh, anyway, the, we've talked a lot about that over the, the well, and you course said, of this podcast. You said other negative emotions. I think that we should probably hit on that for just a second. You know, throughout this podcast, we talk about inappropriate emotions, negative emotions, inappropriate thoughts and feelings and so on. And I think that so often that just because of our conditioning, in, in this life, in our culture, I think because of that conditioning, we automatically think of, you know, pornographic or, or sexual connotation. Lust is one of those inappropriate. But there's so many others there that are. I think that escape us if we don't touch on them. And I just want to take a second to do that. So, Good. for example, anger, hostility, yes. resentment, yes. jealousy. Jealousy, um, envy. Envy. Coveting. There you go. 
you know, um, all of those insecurities, um, feelings of control, you know, a, a desire to manipulate yeah. and control any of those feelings. Comparing yourself yep. is the a thief. form of coveting or envying. And if we don't control those emotions, it blocks our ability to receive revelation. Any emotion or feeling that blocks us from filling the spirit or being able to receive that revelation are the negative emotions that we refer to when we make that reference. And the key to overcoming them, Scott, all of them, not just fear, is to, number one, become aware of them. Number two, pray immediately with all energy of heart to be filled with love. I believe perfect love not only overcomes all fear, perfect love overcomes all lust, all anger, hostility, envy, coveting, all inappropriate emotions. I don't think your heart can be filled with perfect love, the love of Christ, the gift of charity, and other negative emotions dominate your life. So that's number one. Number two, we talked a little bit about this last week, Scott. Remove the pavilions of selfish, inappropriate motives and prideful desires by replacing them with, not my will, but thine be done. This is just uh, going to the altar and saying, whatever, I, I'll do whatever thou wants me to do. Uh, I not trying to answer your own prayers in other words not not saying well this i don't want to do that this is you know we always have the self-talk with ourselves about what we want to do and what we don't want to do and oftentimes our selfish our selfish motives and our prideful desires dominate uh, our decisions instead of being open a blank slate saying what what should i do now i know we need to study it out in our minds i know that uh it takes work to get revelation and uh, president nelson said in that uh, talk again we keep referencing that uh, good revelation uh, comes from good information i know that i know we need to pay a price in in that but we need to be open and willing that if the Lord speaks to us, we are absolutely, our heart is open to receive that. And when there's pavilions of selfishness and pride in our life, it again keeps us from receiving revelation. Number three, increased purity and confidence in the presence of God, which comes as a result of letting virtue govern our thoughts. We need to control our thoughts, not just our emotions, Scott. Uh, not just our emotions, not just our motives, but we need to control our thoughts. Now, I know we can't choose all the thoughts that come into our mind, but we can certainly choose which ones stay. And we need to take back control of our minds and learn how to control our thoughts by replacing them with more appropriate, holy, sacred thoughts, quoting scriptures, singing hymns. Anyway, there's many ways to control our thoughts. 
Someone said once, Scott, uh, this was a, a sign I said I saw in northern Minnesota driving past an old farm in northern Minnesota. This man felt so strongly about this, and it was probably original with him because I've never seen it anywhere else. And he had made this big sign, probably about five feet by five feet, and hung it up in his field in his farm, high enough so everybody could see it. And it said, watch what you view. Because what you watch will become your view. I think one of the really key ways to control our thoughts is to control what we watch, what we spend time looking at. And if we will control what we watch, I've told you this before and and in the podcast, that I I hate commercials. I hate watching commercials. Uh, There are so many inappropriate things on commercials that I in preparing to give a patriarchal blessing, I had to have everything recorded because I couldn't watch inappropriate commercials. And it's true of what we listen to on the radio, too. It's true of the music that we listen to. What we watch, what we listen to, if we're not careful, it will become our view. It will dominate our thoughts. Satan will use those things against us. So we need to take control of our minds by what we choose to watch. Number four, use instruments of grace, such as the scriptures, prayer, sacred art and music, the temple. Even we just had the dedication of the Saratoga Springs Temple, which was an amazing experience, Scott. I was was so thankful to be there and be in the celestial room with President Eyring when he dedicated it. And I, one of the parts of it that stood out to me, and I'm just paraphrasing, is in the dedicatory prayer, he said uh, something to the effect that even those who, who just come here to the grounds, just to the grounds mm-hmm. of the temple, will be blessed with greater discernment. Yeah. That's what he said. Yeah. That was actually in the newspaper. They quoted him. Uh, okay, yeah. Whatever. They quoted him. The dedicatory prayer. Exactly. They quoted him on saying that this place would be a refuge for those who come in, and and I'm not going to say it exactly, but the reference was the, even the grounds. The temple, even the grounds, yeah. is, a gr- is an instrument of grace yeah. that God has given us yeah. to help us to connect with him and receive revelation, Scott. So I'm going to... I'm gonna, push pause on you for just one second. I, th- I shared this uh, experience with you before we started the podcast today. I think I'm going to share it now. When I was going through a really tough time in my life and I needed to find a place to stay, I stayed with my parents for about a year when I went through a divorce. They had some property. It was grandpa's property, a lot of it, but behind you know, where I li- we lived and grew up and back back far, 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 not on our property, but back quite a ways further and, and up on the hill Uh, the Timpanogos Temple was being built at that time. And I felt that, David. I I got great counsel by a loving bishop at that time and without getting into all the details, but there would be nights sometimes when I couldn't sleep. And I would just go on a motorcycle. I'd get on my motorcycle, and I'd ride up there, and I'd sit on the grass. In the middle of the night. Middle of the night, one, two, three in the morning, in the summer, on the temple grounds, before and after it was dedicated. Mm -hmm. And I felt that. I felt that power. It, 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 it invokes emotion in me right now to go back and recall those sacred, sweet experiences that I had there as I was communing with my Heavenly Father, trying to put my life back together and figure out what was going on. It may have saved your life. Yeah, it may have. 
So I, I, that's an instrument of grace. So using instruments of grace, scriptures, prayer, sacred art, music, temple, and service. Yeah. Service itself, Scott, is an instrument of grace, serving others. I think you are an amazing example of that, Scott. The number of people that you sponsor, the number of people that you mentor, the no, I know you've told me this. You've told me this that one of the keys to your sobriety is your willingness to give back and to sponsor. Is am I using the right? That's word? exactly right. Yeah, to sponsor people. Yeah. in the addiction recovery programs and AA yeah. programs. Yeah. and and it's an instrument of grace. And uh, fasting is an instrument of grace. I I think fat, I, I, it just seems to me, I'm, I'm old, I know, but it just seems to me that fasting used to be a little more emphasized uh, years and years ago than it is now. And fasting, which is biblical and throughout the scriptures, can be such a powerful instrument of grace to receive, to open us up, to humble us, and make us uh, more open to receiving revelation. And I could share lots of examples of that. Well, Scott, that's the first four. I think uh, I, th- I think if it's okay, we'll we'll maybe pick up and finish the next three on the on the next podcast. But let let's review those four. Identify fears and other negative emotions and replace them with faith and love. Two, rem- remove the pavilions of selfish, inappropriate motives. What's your motive? What are, why are you wanting, really, why do you want to know this? Is it unselfish? Is it to build the kingdom of God, to bless your family and others? What's your motive? So remove the pavilions of selfish, inappropriate motives and prideful desires by replacing them with, not my will, but thine be done. That's number two. Number three, increased purity and confidence in the presence of God is the result of letting virtue govern our thoughts. So that's, right, that comes from Doctrine and Covenants, section 121. Let virtue garnish thy thoughts unceasingly. Then shall thy confidence wax strong in the presence of God. By the way, section 121 is a marvelous revelation for all to really study how we can receive knowledge from God. That whole section is about how to receive knowledge and revelation from God. And number four, use instruments of grace that God has given us, such as the scriptures, prayer, sacred art. I We didn't say anything about that, but I have art in my office. And sometimes, Scott, I'll just go in to ponder and to prepare to yep. give, give blessings or receive revelation. I'll just go in my office and look at inspired art. I do the same thing. I, in fact, and, and I'll give credit right here, you, the, the picture that we use as our art on our podcast um, was a, a fairly famous artist, Joe Bricky, a good friend of mine. Um, some of his art, I, I feel that same way, and I have some in the house. We have, we, you noticed, we, and I showed it to you, we have a new piece of art in our living room as you walk in. Yeah. 
of uh, Jesus' feet and others as he's walking the path, and yeah, you I see a that. finger reaching through to touch the hem and be healed, right? Sacred art, yeah. And, Sacred and, art. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Powerful. And, and people notice that, you know, and people notice the feeling that gets invoked when you notice something like that. We have that comment come quite frequently from those that enter our home. The, uh, the picture on Elder Anderson's book, yep. The Divine Gift of Forgiveness, was is one of his... You know, he shared with me he's one of his personal favorites, and and I know he receives a lot of uh, revelation, inspiration from that from that piece of art, and and there's so many other examples of that, and inspired music, Scott. Oh yeah, I would always begin my mornings on Sunday morning, really early in the morning, when uh, when I was a uh, functioning patri- patriarch, and uh, I would begin by listening to music. That's how I started my morning, was by listening to certain inspired pieces of music that every time I listen to them, I feel closer to my Heavenly Father, and I feel the Spirit coming into my, to, into my life. I mean, it just inspired music and inspired art can really clarify our, th- our thoughts and feelings. Well, you talk about music. You know, if you go back to season one, we had a uh, interview that we did with Scott Harmon, who spent six years in the, I think it was six years, in the, U- uh, in the Utah State Penitentiary. We had one with Nate Moeller. Yeah, right. Who, uh, and he wasn't incarcerated or anything like that, but he had a major tragedy in his life. And both of those men, both of those men um, attributed their, the feeling of the spirit in some of the most critical time back to a memory of a primary song. Right. As a matter of fact, I saw Scott Harmon the other day as we did a fifth Sunday thing together and asked him about that. And he got he kind of got a little uh, emotional. And he's like, yeah, you know what? That uh, Heavenly Father, are you really there? That child's prayer, that was his song. He says, yeah. that still invokes all kinds of positive, wonderful, Powerful. sacred emotions in me. God, God, has, God cherishes sacred music and and is the author of much of it. And no doubt, when angels sing, when they appear to shepherds, and the heavenly choirs, and I know there was music in the pre-mortal existence. I once gave a patriarchal blessing to a young man who had some special needs. I had never said this in any other blessing of the hundreds I gave, was that he had... uh, written and composed music in his in the pre-mortal world. Oh, how world. cool. And his mother just wept because of how this young man would respond to sacred music here in this life. Mm-hmm. I knew I knew that was true, Scott. Somehow I knew that yeah. he had yeah. led and organized and composed music there. Anyway, sacred music, sacred art. The temple the temple is is definitely a gift to us and a and a gift of grace an instrument of grace that we should all be using more to to really again clarify our thoughts and to go receive revelation even if we can only walk the grounds or sit on a bench and or just go touch the outside the walls of the temple or stand under the eaves or the shade of the temple um, we can receive revelation. And uh, fasting. Fasting and service are other really important instruments of grace that God has given us to uh, 
help open us up, to help to uh, bring us more of the gift of revelation. Right. Well, you know, we talk about service, and I just looked up the uh, the the lyrics, the words to a poor wayfaring man of grief, and and I think that you know just the just mentioning that title probably brings up memories or feelings in most of our listeners, and if not, to invite you to go back and listen to that uh, beautiful, beautiful sacred hymn. But verse number seven. Then in a moment, to my view, the stranger started from disguise. The tokens in his hands I knew, the Savior stood before my eyes. He spake, and my poor name he named, of me thou hast not been ashamed. These deeds shall thy memorial be, fear not thou didst them unto me. And so it's no wonder that service is an instrument of grace. You know, when Jesus... When we serve anybody, he sees that service and accepts it unto himself. And so what a great way to, uh, you know, kind of culminate and bring together that, that feeling of, of an instrument of grace when we're in service to others, Dave. Well, next week we'll finish off that list of uh, seven, and we'll continue our discussion on how to develop and grow in our ability to receive revelation, Scott. So just a couple of uh, quick invitations, uh, folks. Number one, I would invite all of us to go ahead and just do another inventory in our lives and just see, you know, we've only hit on, what did we hit? We only hit on four of these seven. We've got three more to go. And we'll have another opportunity to review our lives when we look at those next three next week. But for these four, let's take an inventory. Let's look in our lives where we're doing okay, where we need improvement, and where maybe we even just need to begin. Uh, maybe there's things here that we've been putting off or haven't been aware of or haven't occurred to us or haven't been revealed to us that we need to be doing. Well, if you have felt that feeling today, then we invite you to do it. That's number one. Um, number two, uh, for those of you who are having experiences, and it's been a minute since we uh, extended this invitation, but we go, we invite you to go ahead and share your experiences with us. You can do that at us at gmail.com. Go ahead and ask any questions you may have. We'll try and answer those on the podcast or, or respond to them via email, as we have done in dozens and dozens of cases. Happy to do that as well. Thanks so much for being with us. I I think I would be remiss if I didn't testify of not just the importance, but the importance in my own personal life of the concepts and precepts that we've been talking about today. Hopefully the spirit of revelation is alive in all of our lives, but before all of that, hopefully we have the spirit of the Holy Ghost as our constant companions. Hopefully we're having his revelation in our lives. And then as we do that, then we'll be able to experience the gift of revelation and and the sacred gift that it is. Thanks for being with us. We look forward to being with you next week.